Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. Move forward to Genesis chapter 3 now. Genesis chapter 3. says, and we've been in this series called The Awakening, and last week what I talked to you about was awaken to righteousness and sin not, is that you actually cannot, cannot um, be a forgiven sinner and saved by grace at the same time. That's why we don't say we're sinners saved by grace. Being a sinner is one thing, and being saved by grace is something totally different. Because God was in Christ reconciling the world. According to the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God already forgave the world. So just being forgiven isn't everything. Hallelujah. You have to be saved by grace through faith. Right? That's how you receive everlasting life. Not because God forgave you, but because you received his free gift of grace into your life. All right? Like I said, God already forgave the world. He already forgave the entire world. God was in Christ doing that. And so he doesn't impute our trespasses against us. See, God's not looking at the world today going, my gosh, there's a lot of sin out there. Look how evil and sinful this world is. Unfortunately, the church does that. (laughs) Unfortunately, the church does that. I'm so tired of that message. I'm so tired of the sin consciousness in the world. In the church. That's all we're looking at. Barking at sin, barking at sin. Let's be encouraged today. That where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Let's highlight what the Bible highlights. All right, yeah, so what? There's a lot of sin. All right, there's that much more grace. Is this this too much? Huh? Is the good news, is it just too good that we just have a hard time preaching it and talking about the true good news? Hmm? So many times people put, they want to balance the gospel out. Right? Yeah, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but... You better toe the line. Right? It's like going to a car lot. They give you a price. But but when all is said and done, the other shoe falls, doesn't it? Right? And you got all these other addendums to that price. These other additions to that price. And it was not what you thought it was originally. Right? This is how the gospel is preached all the time. Rather than just letting the gospel be the power to save men. That is... God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. God got over your sin. He just got over it. Otherwise, he did Jesus a great injustice by making him pay for all the sin and him still be mad about it. He just got over it. It pleased him to bruise his son so that he could look upon us with grace. Hallelujah. This is the message that we preach. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day, and whoever believes in him will receive everlasting life. Can I get a good amen today? So we have to then have a righteousness consciousness, not a sin consciousness. And it's prevalent in the church, not in this church, though, praise God. It's one of the major lying strategies of the enemy, a sin consciousness. It's it's, it's such a... 
It's such a lie. It destroys faith. It, it, what it does to you, to you as a Christian, it makes you insecure in relationship with God. It causes men to be afraid of God. I can remember for many, and I was raised in a good home. Good, you know, you've heard Pastor John preach. And I, but I personally had this fear of God, an unholy fear of God, afraid of Him. And I would, I, when, I was, when, I was, when I would approach God in prayer, I always felt like the first thing I needed to talk about was my downfalls. The first thing I needed to get off my chest was where I have screwed up, right? How I've disappointed God, where I've missed the mark. And I felt like once I got that out of the way, then I could have like good fellowship with him. Come on, does anybody else know what I'm talking about here today? You felt like you, you had to fix the sin problem first, and then you could, you could be okay to approach God. What a backwards mentality. That's absolutely a satanic lie. That's all it is. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You need mercy and grace when you're in sin, but you don't come groveling at that point. You come boldly, not on your own merits. You can't clean yourself up good enough. Jesus had to do that for you. So you come on his merit. You come on his effort by his work, by his way, by his process, by his blood. Hallelujah. You come before the throne of grace, say, hallelujah. This is what I'm going to confess about my sin right now. All my sins have been washed away. I thank you, Lord, that I am forgiven of all my sins. And right now, I I'm not going to give attention to that. I'm going to give attention to my God who has forgiven me of all my sins, who doesn't count my sins against me. Father, I thank you that I have it. See? Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law. You're under grace. Even under the law, Jesus teaching us, the disciples, to pray. Even under the law, he taught them to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Let's just say that together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespass. Whoa, hang on, let's stop right there. Even under the law, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And I want you to notice somewhere along down in that prayer, they dealt with the sin, didn't they? Wasn't the first thing. Wasn't the first thing. Jesus didn't want them to have a sin consciousness. First thing. Now, first thing, you, when you approach God, you better get rid of that sin in your life. You better confess your sins. Now, what's the first thing? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You take time to worship Him. That's more important. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. No, you're praying about, you're asking something for God before you get your sin off your chest? You kidding me? Yeah, that's what Jesus taught us. Give us this day and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Now, we don't get forgiven as we forgive other people. That's, that's passed away. That was under the law. We forgive as we have been already forgiven. We don't forgive so that we can receive forgiveness. We receive because we've already received forgiveness. Hallelujah. Being on this side of the cross is so much better. Hallelujah. This side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, man, you are living the life. You are living the life right now. Amen. All right. I hope this is encouraging you today. Because, so we have to awaken to righteousness, awaken this righteousness. Look at Genesis 1.31. God saw everything that he made, and indeed, it was very good. 
So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Everything, after he created everything, God looked at it and said, this is good stuff. Man, I'm good. He was good. He is good. Everything he did. But look at the purpose of it. 2-7, Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. See, we are the reason God created all this good stuff. You're the reason God made all this good stuff. See, we're not created for the earth. The earth is created for us. We're the gift to the earth. Amen. Hey, all the tree huggers said amen. amen. We, don't, we don't know the time period that took place between Adam's relationship with God at this point and the fall. We'll get there in just a moment. But Adam was created, I want you to think about this for a moment, in the very image of God. Genesis 1.26 says that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So then Adam looked like God. He looked like God. He acted like God. He thought like God. He spoke like God. I get accused all the time that I look like John Holler. I don't know if accused should be the word, but sometimes it feels like an accusation. <laughs> I look like my dad. And maybe some of you when you were growing up, you were told, you look just like your mom, or you look just like your dad. Or you go around telling other people that. And we, and we do that because... We, we say that they're a mirror image or a spitting image of their father or mother. Adam was a mirror image of his father God. Look, just like him. No difference. He made him, God made Adam the same kind of being that he was. And this is why, we have to understand how important that is. We have this cute little dog, his name is Oreo. He's actually our daughter Laurel's dog. We've had him a little over three years. He's black and white, hence the name. And uh, Oreo is a good dog, and we have fun with him. We pet him, and we love on him, and take him to the groomer and spend ridiculous amounts of money doing that kind of stuff. But, uh, and, we, and he's good at fetching a ball or whatever object you have. You just throw it, and he ah, takes off running for it, and he just gets so much delight out of that. And I have fun doing it. But that's about as far as my relationship with Oreo can go. He's a dog. I can't have fellowship with this dog. I cannot have an intellectual conversation with that dog because he is not the same kind of being that I am. Hmm? He is he is a dog. He's not in the same class that I am. I don't care how many sweaters you put on your dog or what kind of he's not a human. He's a dog. At the end of the day, he's going to be a dog. Amen. If you take him in your car with you and try to break all the rules where humans go and they try to take your dog there too, he's still a dog. He's a stinking dog. Leave him at home. Let him be a dog. I know I'm rubbing you some, some of you sideways. I, I love it. All right. God created, listen, God created Adam in the same class, listen to me, in the same class as him. See, that's why God then could have fellowship with Adam. He was more than just a dog. He was made like him. So then Adam could talk to God, and God could talk to Adam. And they could walk side by side in the cool of the day in the garden, talk to one another. Don't you know, that must have been a marvelous thing. God ministering to Adam, speaking to him, teaching him things about creation. 
And Adam just being the sponge, because he was at that time using 100% of his mental capacity. We max out at about 20. Eighty percent of our brains. Adam had it all. He was a magnificent creation. Spirit, soul, and body created in God's image. And the Bible says that God breathed life into his nostrils. And it says, and Adam became a living being. God breathed himself into this man. See how much like God he was. Adam became a living being and walked and talked with God. It was like him. So much so that the Bible says that God would bring the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. What do you call this one? That looks like a cow. Cow. Cow? Okay. You say it is. That's what it is. God brought these things to Adam because Adam had dominion over the earth. So God wanted to see what the king of the earth would name them. What actually the God, little g, of this world would name them. Called to rule and reign and subdue the earth. The earth had no thorns and no briars and thistles. and There was harmony between the lions and the little lambs. No sin, no, no consciousness of sin in the earth. Imagine. Perfection. And because there's no consciousness of sin, there's no fear anywhere to be found. There's no insecurity. There's no angst or anxiety. None of it's there. Adam knows exactly what to name those animals because he's like God. He's not worried about this task. He names all of them. He's in perfect right standing with God. There's no separation between them. This is just the picture of perfection. It's a glorious thing. One of the biggest struggles with people today, and I hate to see this in the church and in the, in the, with the children of God, is insecurity in their relationship with God. And that, is, that comes out of a sin consciousness, though. It comes because they're not awake. Not awake to who they are. Who God has made them. Righteousness. See, what righteousness with God produces for us is confidence. Righteousness with God produces security. Righteousness with God produces freedom from fear. Amen. It gives us the ability to stand in the presence of God unafraid. If we, that's the reality. Otherwise, why does He invite us to come boldly? Come boldly. He's not daring us. I dare you. You'll see what happens if you do that. No, He's inviting us. Come boldly. Genesis 2.16. Are you with me still? Genesis 2.16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. How, how generous and good is God? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So here's the deal. God gives Adam planet earth, but God gets one tree on planet earth. I would say that's a good deal. He gets planet earth, but God gets one tree. Adam gets planet earth. I have flown around the world. That, there's a, this is a big world. Adam gets planet earth. God gets one tree. I would say that's generous. 
And he had to put this tree in the garden so that Adam could exercise his free will, whether he was going to choose that or not. Mm -hmm. So, he said, in the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. Well, in uh, Genesis 3, 6, the woman saw the tree that was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And then she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. But you know what happened? They didn't drop dead. They didn't die. Not on the outside. They died in the spirit. Adam's light went out the moment he ate of that fruit. And sin, death, and darkness came flooding into his consciousness. He used to know everything. Now he knows something's not right. Interesting, it says in the day. Now, I want you to look at this. We're going to draw a parallel. First, 2 Peter 3.8 says this, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And God told Adam, in the day that you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. Adam lived to be 930 years old. In the day, known as a thousand years, he died. God, a thousand years is a day. But on that specific day, in that moment, something did happen. It was called separation from God, known as spiritual death. His light went out. And so then Adam, from that day forward, 930 years later, that spiritual death caused his physical life to succumb to death. All right? I personally believe that's when, his, that's when that counting of his age started was at that moment. Because we don't know the span of time between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3. Adam was created a living being, and he was created to never die. He had this eternal strength about him. He had eternal life. Born to live forever. Well, we're not going to measure our time in heaven by, by time. It's forever. That's all we can say about it. It's eternal. It's always. Right? This is what his relationship with God is like. But then, the moment... He ate of the fruit, his life started counting down. And I believe by the grace of God, in that day, he lived 930 more years. Interesting, isn't it? And <clears throat> so the spiritual that brought, separated him from God, the spirit man died. Adam was seen clearly one minute because he was alive to God. He was able to understand the things of God. He was able to fellowship with God. He was right with God. But now something has happened and it's the absolute death that God had promised him. In Genesis 3.10, look at this. This sin then came in and flooded his consciousness, and look what he says to God. God begins to call for Adam as he always did in the cool of the day. God showed up at their meeting place, and Adam wasn't there. So he said, Adam, where are you? And then in verse 10, he says, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Pastor Everett was talking to me this morning about being naked. Let me, let me continue, please. <laughs> and that in the environment where you are known, that is by your wife, ain't no fear in being naked. But it's when somebody that doesn't know you, right? You've all had the dream, right? You showed up at school, you showed up at work. Why do I have 
clothes on. I remember that, I, when I was a teenager, I dreamed that all the time. I guess that's just something you kind of work through. As you, but I, I was afraid. But yeah, I mean, you, you, you immediately cover up, right? Or run off, do something, turn around. <laughs> because, because you don't have that relationship. You don't have that knowledge, that intimacy. And when Adam sinned, God no longer was his friend. He was a stranger. All he needed to do was hide himself. And God came looking for him. And Adam was nowhere to be found. Hmm. You see this transition from life to death. Just the beginning of the evolution of sin. The very essence of sin consciousness. It makes you run from God. And it keeps you in constant fear. At the moment that Satan came and tempted Adam and Eve with a lie, Adam gave up his fear of God, his fear of the Word of God. And at that moment, he gave over all of his authority to the devil. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, you can see now that the devil has, is called the little g, the God of this world, because man gave him that authority. But praise God, there's coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to return and take it all back. Amen? Amen. Adam then became afraid of God. Let's, let's finish this up. Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, here is the beginning of religion. Man covering up his own trouble by his own effort, his own mistakes by his own effort, trying to, trying to become righteous by his own doing. Right? So he's sewing these fig leaves together, trying to just make everything okay and trying to be, become approachable to God when he's still not approachable to God. Religion only traps men. It's a lie. Together made themselves coverings, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is something Adam's used to. He has this every day of his life. Every day he hears God walking in the garden. Every day. Knowing the presence of God is there. I mean, it was like all of his dreams had come true at that moment. Everything, he looked forward to that moment when he would hear God walking. Out of all the day, he had to have looked forward to that moment when he could have fellowship with God, walk with him in the garden, learn something new today. What's God going to teach me today? Hallelujah. Right? But now he hears it, and it has become his worst nightmare. God's here. Ah! Instead of running to him, he hid from him. God said in verse 17 to Adam, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake in toil. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the introduction to the 40-hour work week. Thank you, Adam. Amen. 18, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face you shall eat. See, this is never God's intention for man to have to work hard and eke out an existence. This all became, came as a result of sin. This is the curse. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. And listen to this. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. But now look what God calls him. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. 
What a transition from knowing the love of God to this. Everything was provided for Adam before this. But now there's no security for him. And now there's no Garden of Eden. Hallelujah. Now what was supposed to be born into this world was to be a race of men who were supposed to be like God and have dominion. And now they are born into this world with spirits that are separate from God. You know, the very fact that you are born into this world, you are born right into sin. We understand this. How many of you have kids here? Let me see your hand. All right. You understand this as a parent better than anybody, right? That you don't have to teach your child how to be bad. You have to train them to be good. All right. They got the bad thing down. I mean, they come out of the womb fighting, right? You're trying to sleep at night, they're going to lay in that bed and cry until you, until you do something about it. They don't care about your sleep schedule. They care about me. I got to eat now, right? Totally self-absorbed those babies are. <laughs> I was telling the earlier service about this. I can remember Maddie Claire, when she was maybe a year and a half, two years old. We were, we were living down in San Marcos, Texas in a little apartment there. And I remember the first time I understood this truth about training them to do right. As she was just barely walking, and I remember her walking over toward the wall with her finger out, heading toward a socket, an electrical socket. And so I, I see what she's doing. I say, no, no, Madeline. And she looks at me and keeps on walking. I said, no, baby. She looks at me again, puts the hand back up, and goes to walking again. And so then I had to uh, do something else. That wasn't working, obviously. So with that little hand out, I just, no. She put the hand down, looked at me. She said, now this is new. Oh, she didn't really say that, but I could tell that's what she was thinking. I didn't experience that before. She kind of puts her hand down, looks at me. And continues to look at me and puts that hand up and keeps walking. I've come too far to turn back now. Train up a child in the way he should go. How many of you know that disciplining your children is not always the easiest thing? But it's the right thing. Put that hand back up. Goes for the socket. No. And then she does something. I don't know if little girls got this. They have this understanding, I think, from, from the moment they come out of the womb, that if I just stick out my bottom lip, my dad's done. <laughs> right? They're born with that instinct. It's incredible. That's what she does. And Madeline could produce the biggest tears. Her little blue eyes just started watering up. And I'm going, oh, God, please do something right now. And, and she's got that bottom lip out. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. Hand going back toward the socket again. I said, you've got to be kidding me. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I don't think I can do this. Because everything within me wanted to pick her up and say, it's okay, you don't have to obey. 
I love you. Do whatever you want. Huh? Everything within me wanted to do that. But I knew I couldn't. No. Man, it, ah, she sat down on the floor and then I picked her up and held her and she understood at that moment that uh, <clears throat> you can't do everything you want to do. You must obey. Because I like the way Proverbs says, son, attend to my words. Attend to my words. Attend to my words and live. Receive instruction and live. So you rob your children of life. You rob your children of real life if you let them just do whatever they want to. Because that's that nature, that Adam nature that's trying to take over. And you've got to train them of a better way. And listen. So all of our children are born into this, and we have to learn how to do good. Does this help you? All right, I'm almost done. All the, all the things, see, that we see in the world, all, this, all the trouble, there's trouble out there. There's, but don't forget, this is just the result of dead men doing dead things. They don't know. They're not bound to righteousness. That's why it doesn't, doesn't do us any good to preach to the sinner how sinful they are. All right, you know, I'm gonna, let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go there for just a moment. I want to I give you a few things, and then I'll let you out of here. Can you handle a little bit more? Okay. See, if you're continually wrestling with condemnation and with insecurity, you can never have confidence in God. The sin consciousness, it causes Christians to have a weak prayer life. Because when they come to God, they come to Him on the terms like, maybe, maybe it'll work out. This comes from a sin consciousness. Oh, maybe this will be. Lord, can you do this? Lord, if it be thy will. Hey, listen. You know what the will of God is when you look at the Word of God. Come to Him knowing that we have to know that He hears us, as John said. And if we know that He hears us, then we know we have what we've prayed for. Right? So that's why you come boldly, not out of fear. Coming to Him in fear is under the devil's terms, not on His terms. That's not going to impress Him. It's not His will. Ephesians 5, 8, for you were once darkness. Well, that's good news. You were once darkness. Were, that's, that's over. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. If we take the parentheses out, it says, walk as children of light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Number one thing you need to do, write this down, live your life to please God. Finding out, live your life finding out what's acceptable to God. Not what you can get away with. Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. So just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should do it. All right? You can either live your life for what's lawful or live your life for what's profitable. All right? Okay, maybe you're allowed to do that, but what is, where is that going to take your life? What's that going to do in, in, in relationship to the plan of God for your life? Hmm? Live your life to please God. Number, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And I really, can't, I'm bothered that a lot of preachers stop right here and say, see, we've got to talk sin. We've got to expose the sin. If we don't talk about it, we don't expose it, then the world won't know. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on to your britches. Let's keep reading. It is, for it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. So talking about it ain't fixing it. 
Matter of fact, it says it's shameful to do it. Well, how in the world do we show them the way? How do we expose the darkness then? I'm glad you all asked that question. <laughs> but all things that are exposed are made manifest by light. That is, be who you are, the light of the world, and people will see their own darkness. Exalt Jesus, and people will see their own darkness. They'll see the void in their life. They'll understand that the lights ain't on here. See, the truth is, we know already. If a man is honest about his condition, he knows if he's with God or he's away from God. All right, so let's give God some credit here. And let, and let them know what Romans chapter 1, verse 7 says, all of us understand God. Even, even the very Godhead, we're born with that instinct of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, it says the problem is men suppress that truth in unrighteousness. They push it down. They just push it down by choice. Well, men are atheists by choice. By choice. By choice. Not because that's how they were born. They choose to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. If we all look like God, then it stands the reason that we're all going to be born with the understanding that there is a God. Amen. You see the, the, the disgusting injustice that there is when a man thinks that he owns his own life. He thinks he owns his own life. There's something wrong with that. We're made in God's image. God gave us life. That's why our message is be reconciled to God. You don't own your life. Give Jesus what's His. You owe Him. Amen. Here's, but all things are exposed and manifest by light. So number two thing right now, talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. It's incredible, and I've told the earlier services too, that I've had lots of conversations with unbelievers about God, and that's, that's cool and everything, but the moment you bring Jesus in the conversation, man, I'm telling you, things change. Because Jesus was a man like us, and we, we don't really know how to deal with this man, right? Because we try to just categorize him and, and be comfortable with his existence somehow, right? That's why we have t-shirts out like, Jesus is my homeboy. We just want to dumb him down so we can deal with him, right? We're going to put him on a little bobblehead and put him on our dash, you know. And do... Okay, yeah, isn't that cute? Look at Jesus bobbing his head. Yeah, I can deal with him in that level. But when he tells me, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me, I have to make a decision there. That's the, that's the line drawn on the sense of what are you going to do? I'm either a raging lunatic or I'm Lord of all. I like the way the great theologian Bono of U2, what he says. He says, Jesus doesn't give you the luxury of just putting him in the category of prophet or just a man. He already said too much. You have to believe him or you have to count him off as a lying lunatic. You know what he said? I am too. He said, I'm holding out for grace because if karma is all this world has to offer, I don't want what's coming to me, so I'll take the grace any day. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'll take the grace. 
Thank you, Bono. Just a little plug for you too. All right, now, verse 14, we're almost done. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See, Jesus is the light. Talk about Jesus. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. That means watchful and discreet, all right? Not as fools, but as wise. Let me just say this. Live with your eyes wide open. Understand the moment you're living in. The very next verse says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Seize the day. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Know the will of God. And I'll finish with this. When I graduated Bible college in 1991, Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas, I went back home to West Texas because I was ready for full-time ministry, or so I thought. And I thought it would be my dad's privilege to hire me. And when I got back home, he said, I'm not ready yet. I don't, you know, you're going to go find a job. You understand, Dad? I just graduated Bible college. I'm ready. I didn't do anything. Go get a job. So I looked, me and a friend of mine looked for a job, and we looked and looked. We could not find a job. And finally, we were driving by a funeral home there in town. And I told my friend, I said, you know what? We've been doing this for a couple of days now. This is so boring. Let's go apply at the funeral home. And I said, he goes, what? I said, I didn't say let's get a job there. I said, let's just apply there. And that way we can tell people that we applied at the funeral home. Let's just do it. I mean, we don't have anything else to do. So he pulled into a funeral home called Johnson's Funeral Home. And we pulled in there and we walked in, both of us, and we said that we wanted a job. So they set us down and had us fill out these applications. I'm getting a little bit nervous at this time because they're taking us serious. And so we, we're going through the whole application process, and they said, we'll call you. So we got in the truck, and we had a great laugh. Wasn't that funny? Man? We applied at the funeral home. Huh? There's not too many people have done that. Five o'clock that afternoon, we were both hired. <laughs> so uh, now, now we've got to deal with this. I was continually amazed, ladies and gentlemen, Saw lots of funerals, been to many funerals, conducted, helped conduct many funerals. And I would stand back there in the back, in this director's room. We could hear over the loudspeaker. There, oh, there was a speaker there, and we could hear the service going on. Preacher after preacher. Stand up there and say, we don't understand the ways of the Lord. We don't understand the will. We don't understand. And I thought... Something's wrong here. That the man who's supposed to have the answer is standing there with no answer. The only comfort he can give the people and the picture that he can give of God is we don't understand. Get off the stage, man. Go back to, well, get out of school maybe and read your Bible. Maybe school is what actually hurt you. Read your Bible. This says, don't be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. It's unwise. You're standing up there admitting you're a fool. But understand what the will of the Lord. Well, how do we know the will of God? His word. His word is his will. So this is the last thing. So that you can stay awake. That you can be alert and awake Christian in this world. Know the will of God so that you can have answers. The answers are in that book. Amen.
Know the will of God. Is that okay? Can you receive that? Know the will of God. That's what we're called to do. We are Christ's body in the earth. We are His voice. What good is it going to do someone say, well, I don't know either, man. I don't know what to tell you, man. Boy, God's so mysterious. And then we just make up all these things about God. Him and His sovereign will. I guess He decided to take that little three-year-old out of the world and put her up there in heaven and picking roses in the garden. Are you a maniac? What kind of story is that? We try our best to give comfort to people, though. We're just human. But we do have a mandate from God to bring the truth, to understand what the will of God is. If, if God's telling us to understand His will, ladies and gentlemen, it stands to reason then that we truly can understand it. All right? His Spirit guides us into all truth. His anointing teaches us all things. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.